Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Uh, believe it or not, there is an actual MLS game snuck up on me, probably snuck up on you coming up on Sunday, but to help us clarify what is going on what we can expect on sunday is tim sullivan of the website and podcast club and country he's been covering the team for uh several years going back to the usl days uh he's also the president of the nasr which is the sort of baseball writers of america equivalent for soccer writers uh but thank you uh for joining me tim yeah thank you so much for having me Hopefully that introduction did you uh oh it it, it puffed me up a little bit (laughs) okay well um we have a, obviously a big game coming up. Uh, Sounders probably aren't going to be able to be as focused on this one. Sounders fans, maybe not as focused as we should be, but it is an important game, a, a season opener against yes, a Western conference rival uh, <laughs> as Nashville SC. What are the emotions? What's the feeling around the club going into the Western conference this year, which was originally their original home. Welcome home. <laughs> yeah, finally uh, back again. But right. I think both the club and the fan base are honestly a little frustrated about it. And a big part of that is is just bouncing back and forth because they, you know, the expectation is that the Eastern Conference is the long term home. Um, the, the silver lining of it is that Atlanta, Charlotte, you know, the, the Cincinnati's of the world, the teams that you expect to be the long term rivals are the crossover opponents in the Eastern Conference this year. So there's a little bit less frustration in there. But the fact of the matter is that, that Nashville is going to travel as much as any MLS club has ever done in a single season to, to make all these West Coast trips. And that's going to be pretty difficult. Even, even the Whitecaps don't have to go quite as far. Uh, did I you actually work the, the math out this year? Uh, somebody did. It was not me. I can't take credit for it. And I don't remember who did it, but shouts to that person. Uh, you yeah. know who you are. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a strenuous year, especially because Nashville starts with eight on the road and, and starting and, and probably one of the more difficult of of not only those eight, but of, of all of the Western Conference teams that you can play is is Seattle. And there's, I think, probably some nerves about it, but definitely some excitement about um, hopefully compounding what has been a good two-year build into a, a successful third year. Well, let's focus on that. Nashville came into the league in 2020, and I would say the expectations from the outside world were pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami was the team that was making all the big signings. They were the one making the splash. And Nashville was sort of seen as... Uh, just kind of getting in, getting along. I think there were a lot more compared. A lot of people thought they would be much closer to FC Cincinnati than to the Seattle Sounders, we'll say. Yeah. And it's been just the opposite. Uh, Nashville SC has maybe quietly, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not as quiet, but I think kind of quietly put together two of the best years of MLS expansion history. Uh, no, it's not the heights of LAFC in Atlanta, but it's like in that rung right below. And I, I, I don't think it's that different than what the Sounders did with yeah. the exception of the Sounders won the U.S. Open Cup in those two years. But you take that out of the equation and you look at just MLS play. 
I think you can argue that Nashville's maybe even been more successful. They've gone deeper in the playoffs than the Sounders did uh, during their first two seasons. Uh, what do you think is behind uh, Nashville being able to overshoot their expectations so much? I think you have two factors and they kind of come back to each other and that's league experience, which Miami Cincinnati uh, at Al did not do a great job bringing in with their administration. And then the second part is, is where that league experience comes from. Mike Jacobs is, is a chip off the Peter Vermees block at Sporting Kansas city. And he essentially came in and said, I want to build this club the same way that Sporting Kansas city has been built. And that's from the ground up. That's from having well scouted guys within the league. That's from making sure we aren't wasting DP spots. Although you could, you could question whether Nashville has maybe wasted one or two in the first couple of years here, but the, the swings and misses have been fewer and farther between because of the experience that Mike Jacobs has in scouting MLS players and scouting intra MLS moves. And that's the sort of thing that Cincinnati didn't have. That's the sort of thing that maybe even a club like Atlanta didn't really have it, but they decided to build in a very different way, which was let's go find the two best South American players who are available and, and ride them. Um, so Nashville has done it in kind of a way that, is, is bound to be a little bit less flashy, but I think if you ask Mike Jacobs, he would say we might not burn quite as brightly, but um, you know, look at what LAFC and Atlanta did last year. We aren't going to burn out either. And, and maybe that might be a slight overstatement of it because I think you know, the floor uh, could always fall out on basically any MLS team as we've seen. But um, I think the, the potential is also there for this club to continue building and, and take that third step in its third season and say, okay, now, now we've built a solid foundation. Let's keep building on that. And so who would you say the big foundational pieces are of that team that uh, Sounders fans probably need to be most aware of? Yeah, the obvious ones are Walker Zimmerman. Uh, you know, I think basically everybody's going to know who a U.S. international is. And um, the, the two that are just uh, great examples of, of Jacobs's knowledge of the league are midfielder Dax McCarty. And again, longtime MLS fans know Dax McCarty, but does an administrator from FC Cincinnati know what he can bring to your club? Probably not. And then Anibal Godoy, who, who Jacob spent a, a pretty good chunk of change to bring over from San Jose Earthquakes. Those two coming together. A lot of people were skeptical about that. Move yeah, too, yeah, absolutely. And, and he, he really loves to frame it. We underspent for Dax and overspent for Anibal. And for, for the two of them combined, we spent the right amount. And um, I, st- I still contend as, as great a player as Godoy is. I still contend that was an overpay, but um, Jacobs isn't going to hear it. But I think knowing that you have those two players and, the, and Zimmerman behind them and, and a guy who is absolutely unheralded, Dave Romney, was barely getting on the field for LA Galaxy. The Galaxy administration, administration didn't really care for him. Jacobs said, we want and need that guy. Got him on the cheap and he's uh, he played every minute until the final regular season game. He had played every minute of the past two years. Um, wow. And and then he suffered a quad injury in the in the penultimate regular season game and finally missed some playing time. But those four guys, you know, and of course, the way that Nashville focuses on making the defensive midfielders and the two center backs, the most important players on the field at any given time have really helped make sure that everything is, is kind of squared away at the back before they worry about anything else like the uh, exciting parts of scoring. <laughs> Well, and one of those exciting players is Hani Mukhtar, a player mm-hmm. who Sounders fans may or may not realize was was actually yep. pretty close to coming to the Sounders back in 2018, I believe it was, and uh, and who the Sounders got like some marginal, essentially yeah. finder's fee uh, for when Nashville signed him. But he has been every bit as good as advertised, maybe even better than advertised. Uh, what can you tell us about Hani Mukhtar? In his first year, he he kind of ended up as a disappointment. You know, the, the Matt Doyles of the world who 
who, you know, recognized that he had more potential, but kind of wasn't getting it done. And I think that was probably a fair take on Mukhtar through the first year. Obviously, 2020 was a, an unprecedented year in Major League Soccer and an unprecedented year for basically anybody who's alive in, in a lot of different ways. And when Mukhtar had a full offseason, a, a full year where he uh, was not in a world where a uh, deadly respiratory disease existed, <laughs> um, he, he leveled up. He's a guy who was brought in as an attacking midfielder, ended up playing a lot of kind of a, a winger or second striker when Nashville's offense really took off about midseason. So he's a pretty versatile guy. He really likes to create for his teammates, but most of all, he really likes to create in such a way that he's creating for himself. He likes to take shots from the top of the box. He likes to be the free. He absolutely relishes being the free kick taker. That's where a good number of his goals came from. He's a guy who, who kind of is a multi-tool offensive threat. Um, he's not going to go up and win headers. He's only like five, seven, but he's a guy who is going to remind a lot of people of, of an extremely poor man's messy because he has that ability to beat guys on the dribble and do all sorts of attacking, um, you know, a broad variety of attacking things. And, and he's not exceptional at necessarily any one thing, but it's very, very good at a large number of them. So I don't know how much of Nashville most Sounders fans have seen, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that they can assume that this is going to be a very competitive match. But how would you describe the style of play? What do you, what do you, what kind of game or should this be, are we, should we be expecting a wide open game? Uh, my suspicion is it won't be, but what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Gary Smith is always going to focus on uh, ma- making us tough to play against. As he likes to say, is one of his many Garyisms. They, they want to go out and make sure that the opponent doesn't beat them, which it, which means locking down at the back, playing really good defense. And then if they can score, they're glad to, but, it, but it's the scoring aspect of it uh, in the first year was awful. And the second year, they really opened it up. And a big part of that is saying, okay, we have our back, however many they've shifted formations from a back four to a back five. And then they're always going to have those two central midfielders, but the rest of the guys maybe have the freedom to go do whatever. And, and when Hani Mukhtar is one of the guys out there doing whatever, it, it works out for you. Um, last year, Nashville had CJ Sapong to kind of dunk home a lot of what Hani was creating early in the year before Hani started scoring for himself. And um, it really is going to be about, on the scoring end of things, about the individual brilliance of a couple guys, because it's not going to be a wide open game unless you're, you're you know, bunker counter type of wide open where guys are going on, on long, you know, 40 yard runs against just a single center back or something like that. But otherwise Nashville's going to make itself tough to beat tough to play against. And then the attacking part of it is, is down to the brilliance of the individuals. So Gary Smith is, is probably a, a play, a coach that Sounders fans will know. He obviously led the Rapids to an MLS cup back in t- 2010. Uh, but he was sort of a, maligned coach i, I want to say during his his first stint in mls uh was seen as very conservative mm-hmm. and not the most exciting coach i think uh myself included kind of rolled their eyes a little bit when he was named the coach of nashville sc and i think to some degree the first year played out about how we would imagine yeah. which was conservative but you know pragmatic and and frankly for for an expansion team that didn't have a huge payroll it made a lot of sense but last year, I, I don't know that he's gotten as much credit as he deserves for for opening things up. Yeah. And I think if you just look at their scoring numbers, you might think or you look at like how many ties they had and you think, oh, OK, well, this is kind of what I expect. But a lot of the underlying numbers showed that Nashville was a pretty aggressive team in a lot of ways. Uh, and it sounds like they're not expansive necessarily, right. but how do they go about generating 
as many chances as they do without being expansive. Yeah. A big part of it is, is keep, keep, you know, four or five guys back um, those defensive midfielders and, and then the center backs and, and send, they'll be willing to send the fullbacks forward. But a big part of it is as much as, as much as is possible, get Hani Mukhtar on the ball in space or get Randall Leal, who's the talented Costa Rican winger on the ball in space. Um, Leal is always going to shoot. Um, Mukhtar is increasingly going to shoot, but he can also distribute to his teammates. And it really is about trying to get those guys the ball and letting them cook. It's there's, there's nothing complicated about it necessarily. Uh, if, if that doesn't work out, if that first kind, <clears throat> excuse me, if that first option doesn't work out, you're going to see the fullbacks overlapping and, and lumping in a bunch of crosses. And then another thing that is, has been so important, especially when you have Walker Zimmerman in that back line is scoring on set pieces. Um, Nashville can score from free kicks. Nashville can score from headers from Zimmerman and a number of the other, uh, especially defensive players, but Godoy is a good set piece threat. Sapong is a good set piece threat. Um, set pieces are going to be an important piece when you're a team that focuses on defending first and, and hoping that you, you can um, let individual brilliance work on the other end. So looking at Nashville's past, uh, I had forgotten, frankly, that they played in Portland mm-hmm. their second ever game. So it's not literally the first trip to the West Coast for, for Nashville, but they have been able to stay pretty close to home during their yeah. entire existence. How big of a deal do you think that is really going to be for them to uh, to have, a, have to travel to the Pacific Northwest, for, for a, especially for a first game of the season? Yeah, I think the fact that it is the first game of the season makes it a little easier. You know, if you're if you're flying 2000 miles back to back weekends, as they will be for the for the subsequent weeks, it, it starts to wear on you kind of as a cumulative effect. In the first week, it probably won't be nearly as big of a deal. And I do think that we'll see how it works out for them. But I think the club is kind of embracing this. We have to be road warriors because of this difficult you know, length of travel that we're going to have to face this year. So they're embracing it. And I think especially early in the year, it's easier to embrace it once the fatigue really does yeah. set in as it, as it adds up a little bit. We'll see how they're feeling about it. But for the first week, at least, I don't think it's going to be as big of a factor. I, and I think they're they're planning on, on getting out there maybe a little bit earlier timeline than they would in a typical road game as well, because you have the option when it's a uh, that first game of the year. So, the first eight games are going to be on the road. I assume that that's so they can play their entire home schedule at the yep. new stadium. Correct. Uh, when the Sounders do go visit Nashville, it will be in that new stadium. What should we expect? What like it, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, it's the biggest soccer specific stadium yep. in the country. It sounds like it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be, you know, everything is state of the art, which is you, what you expect from every new stadium that's built. But um, it's, it's going to be the biggest capacity soccer specific stadium. So we'll see. Uh, the media hasn't been in it in, in a couple months, at least. Uh, I think uh, maybe September was the last time we toured it. And it was in a very different state to, to what it's going to be come May 1st. Um, when the Philadelphia Union become the first team to visit it. But um, everything is supposed to be top notch. Um, there's there's the expectation is that some of the ground level retail around the stadium is going to be built up by then it's built in the Nashville fairground. So it's kind of an area where there's essentially a sea of parking lots that they turned into a soccer stadium. And we'll see how much get is able to be finished by the time the actual games roll around in terms of the game day activities and the like, but um, you know, I, one, I think one thing that supporters are really excited about is there's a park it's on top of a hill and there's a park kind of at the, at the bottom of one side of the hill. And I think there's an expectation that fans will be able to get that, get out there and play soccer as they are tailgating and all those sorts of things. So I think that, that the game day experience is going to be about the game. It's not going to be quite as much, at least not in this first year, a let's go at, to the bar that's around the corner from the stadium. And then we can walk in, but we'll see how, it, how it develops over the years. 
Well, I know I'm really intrigued to see how that comes out. Uh, I think that it's exciting that we're starting to see soccer stadiums that are not just 20,000 seats, but 30,000 seats and, and yeah. maybe even bigger. Uh, it's probably something closer to what Sounders fans fantasize about playing in someday. <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, of Lumen Field. I think that it's still going to be pretty good. But um, I'm excited for this game. I know that it's, it's been overlooked a little bit as a, as a first, uh, as the season sort of snuck up on us. But uh, I think fans will be pleasantly surprised to see that there's quite a lot of Nashville SC media out there. So if you want to consume stuff, you want to learn about Nashville, uh, you, you, can, you can find a fair amount of it. Uh, Club and Country, obviously a great source for finding a lot of that stuff. And I'm I, I'm intrigued to see uh, this short, probably short-lasted rivalry uh, get started. But uh, we need more, you know, bright colors uh, competing against one another. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm it's the uh, it's the, jer- the jersey off is, is going to be. Hopefully, Nashville is not going to wear the bright yellow and and the Sounders and the rave green. <laughs> that would be that would be something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, thank you, Tim, for joining us. Uh, where can people follow you? Where can they uh, where can they read your stuff? Yeah, head to uh, clubcountryusa.com or easiest way to find it, Twitter, uh, at Club Country USA. Very easy. You can find the website and podcast there. Great. Well, thank you for doing this and uh, good luck on Sunday. And uh, maybe we'll catch up later in the season. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Dr. Larry, this is the Sounder Heart Podcast. <laughs>